Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, um, today we're going to continue in this series, Life on Mission. Last week we started a series where we're just kind of giving an overview. Today we're going to talk about the very first action of what it means to live a life on mission. And that first action is a word, connect. Life on mission starts with connecting with people. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about why in the world are we here on this earth? Why are you and I every single day breathing in 2,000 gallons of air? Why? What's our purpose? What's the reason that we are here? I mean, is it just to be born and then to, to live and then to get a career and then to eventually retire and then ultimately die? Is that the whole purpose of life? And I mean, obviously, that's what it seems like, right? And then for those of us who are, who are followers of, of Jesus Christ, it's easy to get into this, into this mentality to think that, you know, man, why didn't G- God just arrange this? That once I, once I give my life over to him, once I get saved, why does he just take me out of this sinful, fallen world? Why are we here? I mean, many of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you understand that. You know how difficult sometimes it is to navigate just life. I mean, you're saved. Jesus, just take us. But what we're learning through this series is that, <clears throat> that God has saved us for a reason. He has saved us for a purpose. That when we gave our lives over to Jesus Christ, when we said, I surrender my life to you, what we essentially said to him is, I'm signing up for your army, for your missionary army. We have all been, if you're a follower of Christ here in this room right now, you have been conscripted into the missionary force of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. You don't have a choice in it. It's just like the draft. <laughs> you're required. It's part of it. Um, I don't know if you've seen... The series, The Chosen. Um, has anybody seen the series, The Chosen? A few of you. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, if you've watched it, you're g- great. You may not know about it because it's not on TV or anything like that. You have to, uh, <clears throat> you have to uh, download an app on your phone and then kind of sign up through that and 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 donate towards it. But it is an amazing depiction of Christ and how he relates and the humanity that you see in Christ and his disciples and, and all of that. It's just, it's amazing. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a walking advertisement for The Chosen. So if you, haven't, if you haven't seen The Chosen, just come talk to me. I'll show you how to get it on your phone and you can do it because it's, it's great. You need to watch it. But what I love about the, um, the, the, the graphic, this is the graphic of that series called The Chosen. And it it depicts, you see here's a bunch of fish and there's fish swimming in this direction that are gray and then there's the ones that are blue that are going in the opposite direction. And in the video format of this, and, and, and like in a video, what it'll show is it'll show just one that's green or gr- blue, whatever that color is, <laughs> going in one direction. And then as it progresses and develops, more and more fish turn that color and keep swimming in, that, in the opposite direction. And it kind of represents, in many ways, what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. What it means to finally commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. In many ways, you start going against the stream of this culture, against the stream of this world. That's one part of it. 
But the other part is that, that, that you are touching people. These fish eventually change color and they go in the opposite direction. You are impacting people all around. You're connecting with people all around you. You're being a witness. And that's what the series is all about. So I hope that last week as we kicked it off, we started with our, our, our focus passage, which was Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. A life on mission is a life of being a witness of Jesus Christ. And so we'll pause here for just a second and internally ask yourself a question. What has Jesus done for me? What has he done in me? And it might take a little bit, if, you're, if you've been like me, been saved for almost 40 years, you know, I might have to go back a little bit in history just to remember where I used to be and what happened in my life and how Jesus came into my life and changed my life. But, but I can go to more current things too of how he has touched my life, how he's touched my children. And I am now to be a witness of that. I'm to testify of what he has done in my life. That's the idea, one of the best verses that describes our life on mission. And so if I'm to be a witness, well, what am I supposed to do? How, how am I a witness? How do I connect with people? Well, there's many ways to connect with people, but I think a really cool way that, that and I think you'll like this, in fact, it's just a very simple word, it's the word eat, right? Have a meal with somebody. Just sit down and have a, you know, sit down and just have a conversation while you're having food. I mean, this is a an amazing way to actually, your, your mission can begin by just a simple invitation to come to your home and have a dinner. All around the world, cultures all around the world, that's the way that people connect and how they develop relationships is that they invite people over and they sit down and they have a meal together. Now in our culture, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, a meal represents like an intentional pause, but in our culture, we're so busy. So, so much so that it's in our culture, what you've discovered is that, that fast food restaurant chains have just surfaced all over the place. When a, a new city, when a city's being developed and, and there's all these new houses popping up, very quickly a McDonald's pops up, a Burger King pops up. It's interesting because the food is so subpar to a good home-cooked meal, right? And yet they survive. And I think what it, does, what it is is it represents us as a culture in many ways that we're in a hurry, that it's easy to get in your car, drive through a, a drive through order your meal, nobody's with you, you order a meal through a microphone type of thing, you know, and, they, and you get your meal, and then on your way to work, you just, you know, shove that hamburger down, and you have no conversation, you have no connection, you have no relationship building. And it represents how our life is as a culture, that in many ways, as Americans, as Westerners, we value time over people. And that's an indictment against us. <clears throat> you see, if you're on mission, you have to understand that it's really about people. It's not about time. I mean, God, you know, people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they must matter to us as well. We must, we must I can't overemphasize this. We must, we must connect with people who are lost and disconnected and who need Jesus Christ in their life, right? 
And Jesus really is our model of this. I mean, in terms of like eating, he, he was, he, Jesus was on mission and he excelled at eating. <laughs> he did. In fact, he was called a glutton in the Bible because he ate with people a lot. Anyways, I don't know what Jesus looks like up in heaven. He may not be that little skinny Jesus that we see portrayed. I don't know. <clears throat> I want us to look at a great example of Jesus actually connecting with somebody. This is a story of Matthew. And um, it's, Matthew is a tax collector. We've talked about this before, what, what a tax collector meant in this culture and in this society at this time. Um, they had categories, in fact. When, uh, when, when the Gospels talk about those who are lost, those who are disconnected, those who are away from God, he calls them sinners. And then there's occasionally they would say sinners and tax collectors, like it was a category, okay? Like, you have a sinner, you're really bad, but man, if you're a tax collector, you're way down here. You are really bad if you're a tax collector, okay? Matthew is a tax collector, and Jesus pops up, shows up. It says, as Jesus was walking along, I love the imagery here. He's walking along, right? He's just going about his life, he's living life. Walking along kind of represents that you're just living life as a follower of Jesus Christ. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with, notice this right here, along with many tax collectors, and other disreputable sinners. <laughs> What's funny is that, you, you probably don't catch this, but he says many dis, uh, you know, uh, tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Notice it's Matthew 9. Matthew is writing about himself and his posse, the people that hang, he hangs out with. The people he hangs out with are other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, people who had a bad reputation in their culture. That, and Matthew is writing this. Like if Matthew didn't want to identify with that, he could have said, yeah, you know, some pretty cool guys. That's who he invited to the party. But that's not what he said. He invited disreputable sinners to this party, right? But when, <clears throat> when the Pharisees saw this, when they saw the disreputable sinners and the tax collectors, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum. Notice the word eat. There's something about that. It was unclean to do that. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, so they asked, it's like Jesus, well, what did they say? He hears them. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. This is, by the way, this is part of our memory verse for, the next, for this week. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go, and, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to follow, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice, for I have come to call those who think, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. This is who Jesus has come to call. Jesus is hanging out with these people. Again, remember, verses 12 and 13 are memory passages for, for this week. So what led Jesus to be so direct with his words to these Pharisees? Why was, he, why was he speaking so strongly? I mean, basically, Matthew has thrown a party for his friends, and he wants to be a witness to his friends. He wants his friends to meet Jesus, right? So he invites them all over, right? 
And so here's Jesus hanging out with these not so holy kind of friends. I mean, this is a party that had some pretty low entrance requirements. <laughs> like you had to be a sinner or a tax collector to come to this party. It's like everybody, really, but there was these religious leaders who thought that they were not that, that bad, and so they were wondering, why is Jesus, who is such, who's really a rabbi, why is he doing this, right? And, and they're these sinners. Now, these aren't accidental sinners, like, oh, man, I missed that blank on my tax return kind of sinners. They're not that kind of sinner. They're like on-purpose sinners. Like, they know that their life and how they live their lives are completely unacceptable to people in that society, but they have decided that they're just going to live it out. And Jesus is right in the middle of them. Here's what I want you to take away. If you, if you take nothing else away from this, <clears throat> Jesus was drawn to people who were nothing like him. And people who were nothing like Jesus, they adored him. I'm going to say it again. Jesus was drawn to people who were nothing like him. And people who were nothing like Jesus, they just loved him. You see, I think our problem, and this is probably because of 2,000 years of now church history, our problem is that in, within church, we've kind of created this us and them kind of culture within church. There's us who are in and those who are out. And I'm not saying that they're not out. I'm not saying that they're not sinners. I'm not saying that we're all the same, that sin is nothing. That's not what I'm saying. But we've created this culture of this us and them and, and when we, those of us who, be, who follow Jesus Christ, first come to salvation, you know, we meet Jesus, you know, we have a whole lot of friends of ours that were just like us, sinners. <laughs> they were lost, right? And we used to hang out with them, but it seems like we've created this culture that the, the closer I become to, to, the closer I become to Christ, the more I become like Jesus, the less sinners I know, the less lost people I know. So what I love about Jesus is that he was Jesus. <laughs> and yet, he was right in the middle of tax collectors and sinners, those who were lost. He wasn't an antagonist. He wasn't a roadblock. He was a sinner magnet. And man, wouldn't it be awesome if we lived such a life following Christ that we too were sinner magnets? The people who saw our lives and saw how we lived our lives said, man, I just, I got to meet that guy. I got I to gotta talk to him. I got to see how, how he has so much peace or how he seems to just live his life with such joy with all the stuff that's going on around us. You look at how he's living his life. And then think about this party that, that Jesus went to. I mean, what do you think this, what do you think a, par, a party that Matthew put on was like, right? I guarantee you it wasn't, you know, I'm sure there was wine flowing, <laughs> and I'm sure there was music, and I guarantee the music wasn't like, uh, you know, Hillsong worship. It was probably a little bit of Drake, I mean, if, if, you know, if it was on our time, right? A few kegs of beer sitting out there, and maybe there was a ping pong table on the outside of the, of the tax collector's house with a bunch of red cups there, you know, and people just playing a game that I have never played. <laughs> I really have it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where Jesus was right in the middle of that. I mean, what do you think the mission of Jesus was? You think it was to create some kind of holy club where people come and they do nothing wrong? 
His mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. He wanted to connect with lost people. Not so that he could become like them, but so that they could see his life and find a way to God. And that's the mission that you and I have been called to. Now, let me just warn you right now, it's messy to connect with lost people. It's messy to connect with sinners. I mean, sin is messy. And loving sinners is messy. I remember when I was pastoring in uh, Louisiana, I was a Hispanic pastor of a church, First Assembly of God there in Leesville, Louisiana. And, uh, And so one Sunday night, uh, in the English service, I was in the English service. One Sunday night, these two guys walked in to our service. Now, keep in mind, this is the 80s, and this was like conservative religious South, okay? So these two guys walk in. They had these long beards, and they had long hair, and it was like a big fat ponytail, you know, like a braided ponytail back here, you know? They looked like bikers, you know, but they were dressed kind of like, like lumberjacks, you know? And they walked in, and they totally did not fit the the rest of the, of the audience there. <laughs> you know, they sat down and everybody was looking at them a little bit nervous, like, who are these guys? They're kind of weird, and you know. And so I, realizing that most people were kind of shying away from them, I said, let me go talk to them. So I went back there while the worship was going on, and I said, hey, my name is Rich. I'm the Hispanic pastor here at this church. And, and he's like, oh, hey, my name is Bill, and this is Bill. <laughs> Both Bills. <laughs> and, uh, and we're from California. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I got that. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're from California. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but I found out real quick that these people were just in love with Jesus Christ. And I mean, they just, they just had this thing about the man. They talked about, you know, you know when you meet somebody like that and they talk about their relationship with Christ and with such affection and such love and such humility. You just knew these people had a relationship, a deep flowing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we started talking and I got really, I really got engaged with them, you know, and having this conversation. And then one of Bill said, hey, you're, you're a Spanish, you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, I do. He says, man, we got a whole bunch of migrant workers that work with us. These guys were tree planters in the forest there who would, after they would harvest trees, they'd go back and they'd plant more trees, you know? And he said, we got these migrant workers. They don't speak English. They're all Hispanic. And I'd love for you to, you know, share something with them. I'm like, well, just invite them to church. That's what I told him. So just invite them to church. He goes, nah, these guys, they're not, they're not going to come to church. That's, that's what he said. Bill said to me, one of the Bills said to me, um, they're not going to come to church. They're just like, they, they're not church people. Um, they won't come. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, I guess I can go where you guys are, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, will you, will you come out to our camp? And I'm like, sure, I'll come out to your camp. So he gave me directions to the camp. And it was funny because it was like, okay, you're going to hit the town of Oberlin. And after you hit the town of Oberlin, we're seven miles down the highway in 117. You're going to see a flag on the side of a tree. That turn at that, turn at that, uh, at that gravel road there. And I'm like, okay, seven miles, Oberlin, past Oberlin, flag on the tree. Turn. What he did not say, what he failed to say was there's also a flag at mile marker two. There's a flag at mile marker five or something like that. So I was like, which one is it? You know? But anyways, I found the road, turned off the road, found our camp. It was kind of in the woods. And I pulled up there and Bill meets me and we start having a conversation about what we're going to do. And they had this big campfire going. So we all sat around the campfire and he invited all these uh, Hispanics to come and, you know, listen to the message uh, of me preaching. What he did also did not tell me was, these guys have been drinking since, since that morning. <laughs> so, 
So that was an interesting service out in the woods. Me trying to preach to a bunch of guys just laughing and you know, and I'm Panamanian, so I speak my Panamanian my Spanish is has certain dialectal differences than say Mexican or Guatemalan or, or Honduran or you know, El Salvadorian. And so and so I, uh, I I you know I would say words and they're like, What's that mean? You know, just out loud, just say, What's that mean? You know, and I said, Well, it's, and then I would try to interpret, you know, Spanish to Spanish. It was just chaos, to be honest with you. And I was unnerved by it. I was like, I've never, I mean, I was used to being like this, preaching to a bunch of people that are civil. And, you know, you're just, you're like, you're listening and you're not like interrupting in a wrong moment, you know. I, it's okay to say amen every once in a while, but you, just, you know, you're not doing crazy stuff, you know. And finally, through this, the, the cook of the whole crowd, he stands up, he says, I'm not gonna listen, I'll, I'll say a blank. He said a word. And I, was, I thought in my mind, I'll say it in Spanish, but then I realized there's a whole lot of Spanish speakers here. That, they're like, no, no, they'll be offended by that. So, so he gets up, I'm not going to listen to this stuff. And he just marches off, you know, and he goes into this big yellow bus, which was where they slept. They little kitchenette, and then they slept in this big yellow bus. So he's in there for a few minutes. And while I'm speaking, trying to speak to these guys, when suddenly a fire, you see flames coming out of the window of the bus. Everybody jumps to their feet, runs to the bus, they're putting the fire out. That was like the, the grand conclusion of my sermon. It's like everybody just ran off to put the fire out, you know? And, and I looked at Bill, I said, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm done here, you know? And he's like, hey, thanks for coming, man. And so I got in my little 1977 Delta 88 and drove down that gravel road back home. And, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, man, that was such... A failure. I just don't think I communicated well. I mean, I was interrupted. These guys were drunk. You know, I mean, just all kinds of stuff going on. It just felt like it was just such a failure. But then a few weeks later on a Wednesday night, we were right in the middle of our service when these 30 Latinos walked into our church with Bill and Bill. <laughs> and we would meet in this upper room in, our, in that building, <clears throat> small room probably had about 20 people in our, in our congregation on a Wednesday night, and then 30 other migrant workers just walk in all of a sudden. And, uh, and you know, and I saw that, and immediately I shifted gears. First, I got, first there was a little bit of like, uh, you know, what do you call it, PS, PTSD? <laughs> oh, no, they're back. What am I going to do? <laughs> but, then, but then I calmed down because they looked like they were in their right mind, you know, and so... And so I, uh, I, I, you know, I shift gears real quick. I just kind of did a real simple salvation message. And, um, and, and then I, you know, you know how you ask the, the, the rhetorical question, but you really, you know who you're talking to. I said, if anybody here wants to give their life to Jesus, just raise your hand. And I knew that I was only speaking to the 30 that walked in because the rest of these guys I, I knew. If anybody wants to give their life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. And like, Without hesitation, they all three of them just raise their hands, you know, up in the air, you know, like, okay, I prayed. We, that day, 30, 30 young men gave their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Amen. Oh, amen. Well, yeah. Well, let me, let, me, let me point out what was not so obvious. Because we would get that, right? That 30 people would come to church and give their life to Jesus. <clears throat> After the service, they walked up to me and they said, hey, pastor, thanks for, thanks for coming out to our camp. Some of them apologized because they know that they were a little bit inebriated. <laughs> and then they said this, 
No one has ever done that before. We've been doing this for years. You see, sometimes being on mission is messy. Sometimes being on mission means you have to go to where the mess is, to where sin is, to where unbelief is. Being on mission is more than just inviting somebody to church. I mean, I want you to invite people to church. And if you're inviting somebody to church, it's probably because you have a relationship with them already. But being on mission is more about going, going to where they are. Like going to the middle of a forest, right? <clears throat> Look what Jesus said about himself in Luke 19.10. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. We seek people who are lost. We seek them. We go after them, right? We don't just seek lost people, but we seek relationship with them. It's difficult. It's difficult to love somebody to Jesus that you don't even know. It's nearly impossible. It's difficult to, to speak life to somebody that you've never met before. And so what we seek to do is we seek to have relationship with them. Listen, I'm not going to share my heart with somebody that I've just met on the elevator. I don't, I don't know if you do this, but I don't get on the elevator. I have actually met people that do this, but I don't. Get on the elevator and say, let me just tell you all about myself. You know, I don't do that, right? Most of us don't do that because we don't have a relationship with them. We don't know them. I share my heart with people who, who know my heart, who have my best interests in mind, who are re- willing and ready to guard my heart. That's who I share my deepest, most intimate secrets. It's because I have a relationship with them. I suspect that some of you in this room, if not all of you in this room, have come to faith in Jesus Christ because of somebody that was influential in your life. Somebody you had a relationship with. I know it was true for me. I remember. I remember when my, my mom, Irene Villalta, with her five teenage sons, well, one of them wasn't a teenager, but four teenage sons, single mom walked into this church, Memorial Assembly of God in Duncanville, Texas, and Leota Slape, an older lady in our church, saw my mom walking, and her heart was filled with compassion. And she said, I'm going to, I'm going to get to know Irene. And she walked up to my mom and began to have a conversation with my mom and, and found out that my mom doesn't have a driver's license. She still doesn't have a driver's license. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Talk about you. <clears throat> She's watching. <laughs> um, doesn't know how to drive. But Leota said, I'll pick you up, take you to church. And so for a year and a half, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Every Wednesday night, she'd drive to our house and pick us up and bring us to church. And my mom and Leota became friends. It wasn't long after that that my mom said, I need Jesus in my life, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Naomi Deal was another person in my life. Naomi Deal was a a woman that was kind of a sponsor, you know, married adult to the youth group there and she welcomed me into the youth group even though I, my mind was only on girls and drugs. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. <clears throat> but uh, 
you know, she invited me in and I would go to youth group, you know, and then when she see me like navigate, gravitate towards all the girls in the youth group, then, then she always had something for me to do for some reason. It's like, hey, Ricky, come here. Can you help me put these chairs up? <laughs> you know, I need you, to, you're tall. I need you to reach up there and grab this stuff, you know, and I'd find myself working at youth group usually. <clears throat> but she included me. She included me. Aaron Barnes is another guy who, who just, he was my age and he would just not let me. He would not let me not come to church. He would still come and visit me until that Wednesday night I walked up in my church service and I walked up to the pastor and I said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've seen enough. These witnesses around me have shown me enough of who Jesus is and I need Jesus in my life. You see, I was lost and I needed help to find Jesus and there was these reliable witnesses who showed me what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And that's what you and I have been called to do. And we need to connect with them. You see, Jesus connected with sinners. Jesus connected with sinners. It's not about fixing people. It's not about, you know, you know trying to make them live right or act right or behave right. It's not about, you know, making sure that they say the right things. It's really about loving them, introducing them to Jesus Christ and loving them to Jesus. They don't have to believe everything in the Bible to, to, to follow Jesus. They don't. They don't have to change all of their bad behaviors to accept Jesus Christ into their life. They don't have to do that. They simply have to believe Matthew, uh, Acts 16, 31 tells us, believe and you will be saved. Belief in Jesus is a starting point of a relationship with him. And here's what I know about Jesus and what I know about the Holy Spirit. They are capable enough to change a person's life. They are capable enough to change a person's life. We don't have to change anybody's life. We have to testify to what he's done in our lives. And we have to connect with them. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit begins to work and starts to transform their lives. And before long, you find they walk up. I can't tell you, in my years, of, I can't tell you a number of people walked up to me and say, hey, Pastor, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this. I knew they'd been doing it all along, but I'm going to stop doing this. I Just the other day, I was praying, and I feel like God just told me, don't do this anymore. I love that. You know why? Because it was God that told them not to do it, not me. And that, they'll never forget that. See, they, I might lose credibility with them at some point. And so oh, Rich said that, well, yeah, I don't really trust Rich anymore. So, but when God told him, that's completely different. So let me ask you, what keeps you from connecting with people who are lost? Maybe it's time. We live in a, in a culture, a Western culture is so busy. We are all busy. I find myself, I'm just sick and tired of the words that come out of my mouth every once in a while. When somebody says, hey, how are you doing? Oh, man, it's just really busy. I hate those words. And yet, it's so true. We are so, so busy running between soccer games and softball games and basketball games and 40, 50, 60 hours of work and Oh, and I got a fit church in there too and maybe a small group during the week and we find ourselves just totally stretched that we have zero time to actually connect with people who are lost. And so I would encourage you as we're talking about this that you would figure out how to create time in your schedule 
for connecting with people who don't know Jesus Christ. Maybe it's fear that keeps us from connecting. You're afraid of what you might get yourself into. (laughs) I get that, by the way. You know, when you meet somebody who is lost and doesn't really have a relationship with Jesus and really does their own thing, it can get kind of messy. And you might feel a little bit intimidated that you're starting to hang out with these people and, and they're like, you know, they're doing things that you would never do. They talk in ways that you never talk. So maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid that if you, that, that if you do connect with them, they'll start, the conversation will shift to something spiritual. Now you have to figure out how to talk spiritual, spiritually with them. Or maybe you're just not sure how to connect. Let me just say this. How many of you have a home? Okay. How many of you have a backyard? How many of you have a grill? Okay. I can go on. <laughs> you have that. God has given you that. And it's a, you can use that to connect with people. Or if you have little kids, how many have little kids at home? Yeah, little kids at home. You know what it's like? Why don't you make your home the, the kid magnet home? All the kids in the neighborhood want to go to your house because you have all the cool snacks and you have all the, you know, the, the, the fun things to do. And, and what else? You know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they see you and your, your husband or you and your wife, how you interact with each other and how you love each other. Maybe they see a few, you know, Christian motif kind of art on your walls and they're like, I wonder what that's all about. That's all planting seed. That's all connecting, 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 connecting. You and I have been invited, have been called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And we start that by connecting with other people. And so your mission this week, if you choose to accept it, is to connect with somebody. Connect with somebody who's lost. This table, self-destruct. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, wrong time to say that. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to... pray for us real quick and uh, with everybody with your eyes closed your heads bowed please just honor this moment for a second while we because I want to ask a question if you're here this morning and maybe you've heard me say a whole lot about being lost and disconnected you've heard me say things about sinner and all that just so you know all of us are sinners all of us miss the mark all of us are not perfect it's not about perfection This is just about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, or maybe you did long ago, but you've drifted away and now your life as it is now doesn't really reflect the relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just do me a favor? Just simply raise your hand up real fast and you put it back down. I'd like to pray for you this morning. If you've never had a relationship, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I want to take a moment here to pray for you. And, um, and simply all you have to do is say, Jesus, I give my life over to you. I surrender my life to you. Lead me, guide me, and let the Holy Spirit begin to lead you and guide you. Also, connect with some of, somebody else around here. If you're here and you're born again, you're saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but maybe, maybe you're not fully living your life on mission. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? 
to give you insight, to give you wisdom, to give you direction on who to connect with, how to be a witness in your workplace, how to be a witness to your neighbor, how to open up your home to connect with people who are disconnected from Jesus Christ. God wants to use us all in that endeavor.